Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Hong Kong. This is a special podcast, even though it might not sound like one. I apologize if the sound quality for this podcast is not that great. I am doing the recording with my mobile phone, uh, as I've reported in a few uh, episodes earlier. I lost my microphone, and I'm so sad about it because... I really love taking my microphone from place to place and doing recordings, and for the most part, even though it's not a perfect podcast, even though the sound quality is not perfect, it is a lot better than using a mobile phone, and my mobile phone picks up a lot of background noise. Now, I try to find a quiet area to do these podcasts, but um, I, I'm not always able to find the most perfect location because I am traveling. I travel more than 300 days a year. That's why a mobile podcast works very well. And I try to keep you, the listener and partner, updated on what we are doing on a regular basis. So whether I'm traveling in Pakistan, Iraq, Iran, Sudan, China, North Korea, wherever I'm traveling, I try to make a podcast uh, that gives you the uh, direct information from the field. So these are field reports. These podcasts, I, I call them podcasts, but they really are back to Jerusalem field reports. Now, I don't always, I, I'm a bit of a strange duck, okay? Uh, <laughs> anybody that's listened to this podcast long enough knows that I'm a bit of a strange duck. Um, and the reason why is because I, I don't I don't know what it is. I, I know that one of the things I like about podcasts is there's this a bit of an enemy about it. Like I, I, I can remain anonymous. I don't have to be on camera. I don't have to meet with people. I don't have to speak in front of big crowds. And I kind of like that. Um, I try to remain in the background. A lot of people ask me, how are you able to write these books and do this work and do a podcast and you know work together back to Jerusalem and travel so freely into these different countries? Well, one of the main things I do is the, even though we do a lot of this kind of media production, I do not – I try to stay out of the limelight. I try to stay under the radar for the most part. I'm not very good at staying under the radar. Obviously, we got a podcast and I've been on – we made several back to Jerusalem videos. But – I don't like to honestly I, I I don't like to be in front of people. I don't I I enjoy sharing the vision. I enjoy seeing people motivated, but I don't enjoy being in front of people. I'm 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 not a I don't always enjoy being in big crowds. I don't enjoy being in big crowds actually ever. Um and when I'm sitting in front of people or I'm, I'm with people, I'm with missionaries, I've been doing it long enough to know that most missionaries that work in places that are uh, a, a bit of a challenge when it comes to security, such as China, North Korea, Iran, Iraq, all those countries that I named before, most of the people don't like to be on camera. They don't want their pictures taken. And the last thing I want to do is pull out my camera and take a photo of them or pull out a microphone and try to get them, 
you know, to say something. Now, there are times that I do when I feel that it's appropriate and I feel comfortable doing it. But sometimes I just want them to talk openly and freely. And then as soon as I get away, then I try to share with you what it was that they shared with me. Um, sometimes language is a bit of a problem, you know, trying to communicate back and forth. I'm always traveling in areas that, that do not speak English as the first language. So, um, that presents a challenge and, uh, I, I don't like just taking a microphone and sticking it in their face. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Uh, but I, I don't want people to feel uncomfortable and sometimes I'm not always sure what it is that I'm looking at. So the last thing I want to do is start doing a recording and pretend that I know what I'm saying or what I'm talking about. I, I kind of want to absorb the surroundings that are around me. And then, and then what this podcast does for both me and you is that I'm able to step away and do a bit of reflection about what it was that I saw, what it was that I heard, what it was that was said, what it was that I think is happening and going on, and then try to digest that. And then share it in a way that's understandable. Does that make sense? I, I, I and and I say that that's a bit of an odd duck because I, I'm a bit torn because, um, you know, I want to share, I want to be out there, I want to get the word out, but I don't want to be on stage. And and trust me, if there were other people that could do this, I would I would hand it over to them to do it in a, in a heartbeat. I promise. Um, you know, I often tell people I'm not an author that people are like, ah, get out. You've written so many books, but it's true. I'm not, I honestly, I'm not an author. I never wanted to write books. You want to know how that happened? My, the first book that we wrote was a book called the heavenly people. We were holding a meeting together with brother Yun. Uh, I put together uh, several meetings for him in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. We were speaking at two massive universities. I met with the directors of those universities. Those universities were hosting brother Yun in a Muslim country in their capital city in two of the largest universities. And they were inviting brother Yun to come and speak at, at their schools and to their school body their student body. And they asked, you know, do you want to do this? I said, heck yeah, we want to do it. I mean, are you kidding me to have the opportunity to go and speak, uh, about Jesus Christ in a Muslim country, in the, the capital city, uh, in two major educational institutions where leaders are being shaped and formed and trained and educated. Are you kidding me? Uh, let me think about it for a second. Uh, yeah. The answer would be yes. We, we definitely want to come and share about Jesus uh, in a place where you do all the work at the university. You bring all the students together, and then we just come and bam, lay down the gospel right there on the front table uh, for all the students to hear. And the reception was amazing. But we had this idea. Because most of the people there, I, when I say most, I'm talking about more than 90% of the student body, had never heard of Brother Yun or the Heavenly Man Testimony. So we had this idea, let's get the Heavenly Man book there and let's do a distribution for free. We'll print the books for free and, uh, and hand them out to the student body. The problem is that we did not have the rights to print those books in Malaysia. There was another group in Malaysia that owned the copyrights to the books. Now, um, I can't tell you who it was, but I can tell you that it had nothing to do with the author or the, uh, the publisher for the book in English. So what I'm about to say has nothing, zero to do with the author or the, uh, the publisher that printed the book in English that the most of the world is familiar with. This was a different 
company altogether, a different ministry altogether that owned the rights for the language that we were focused on. I don't want to share the language. It was not Malay um, and it was not English, but it was uh, it was a it was um, a copy that we were looking for. The translation had already been done. We approached the ministry to see if we could print the book. If we could get a copy of it, we would print it. We print it for free. We would not sell it. And the ministry said, no, not unless we paid them royalties. And we said, okay, how many, how much royalty? If we print it, we take the book, we print it, we put it through our printing presses and we deliver them, we distribute them for free. And if we have to pay you royalties for each book that we print on a story that we wrote, how much do we have to pay you? And I don't remember now, but I think it was like $6 a book, which was more than printing the book. It was like three, four, five times more than what we would have to pay for actually printing the book. So I think we wanted to do like $20,000. i am not really sure, something like that. But um, if, if we had to do that, it would be like $120,000 US dollars just for the royalties to print the book. It's like, screw that. So... Basically, what I did is I sat down with Brother Yun with his wife and with his son or took his son had just had his testimony come out in a book. And so I took those three testimonies and compiled them together in an updated version and a much smaller version, one that could be read in a much shorter amount of time because these are college students. Right. So I knew that they didn't have a lot of time to sit and and dive into this this huge, thick story biography, if you want to say, of Brother Yun. So I wanted to do it in a condensed version of about 90 pages, more of like a booklet than an actual book. So I, I, I wrote the story that we called The Heavenly People. We printed that up and we, we, we distributed it among the students. I tried to find someone that had experience in writing stories. Uh, I approached a few people, was rejected by all. We were on a time crunch. People said, I think that we had like three months or something. You don't write books and have them edited and printed in three months. It just doesn't happen. I said, let's do it. Let's roll up our sleeves, hunker down, get your butt to a table, pull out a freaking laptop computer and start writing it up. We can do this. And we did. We wrote up the story. Uh, we compiled it with Dudling, Brother Yun's wife's story, with Brother Yun's story, as well as Isaac's story. Uh, we, 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 we threw in some updates that we were familiar with that brought people to the, the uh, date and time that they were actually living in. So it was the most updated version of his story. And we did it. And it worked out well. And one of the guys that I had together with me um, was the guy that I worked with in North Korea. So he traveled with me to Malaysia to do the distribution and uh, help arrange the meetings as well. And it was exciting. I was like, wow, we actually put together a book, dude, in like only a couple months and we got it distributed and printed and it all worked out great. You know, we got the, we got the, uh, his daughter did like some of the graphic designs and, and uh, then we got this wild, crazy idea for him and I to work together on a North Korean book. It's like, dude, if we can do that, let's, Let's do a book about the underground church in North Korea. There's not one book out there about the underground church in North Korea. Let's do that. So we did this book called Crimson Crucible, and it was basically, at the time, we called it Back to the Jerusalem of the East, which became a bit of a 
tongue twister and it's still available on uh, Amazon or or mo- and it's actually still selling it's almost like this underground book movement where people are still buying that book of back to the Jerusalem of the east which is what Pyongyang the capital of North Korea used to be known as the Jerusalem of the east um, if you would buy postcards from the early 1900s you would see that people that were in uh, North Korea at the time were actually uh, going to missionary schools. It was the missionary capital of all of Asia at the time. So that got us on that book. And then um, Pastor Zhang Rongliang approached me uh, and said, hey, I would like you to write my story. He said that right after he came out of prison. So I contacted one of the most well-known authors that I've ever had the privilege of knowing. And I said, hey, brother, Um, this pastor wants to write his story. He approached me, but I think you would be much better at it because I'm not an author. It was very apparent when I put together, uh, the heavenly people, it wasn't very well done. Did it get the information out there? Yes. That was the primary purpose of dissemination of information and the sharing of update, but it wasn't like some, um, uh, masterpiece it it didn't flow well there were grammar areas or errors out the wazoo i mean i i write like i talk and i my english is not very good i grew up in the sticks so i have really bad grammar it's it's not as bad now as it used to be because i married an amazing woman that has perfect impeccable English skills, even though it's her third language. She speaks five. She learned two languages before she learned English. She didn't learn English until she was about eight years old. And her English is eons better than mine. Um, So (laughs) I don't belong anywhere near a computer when writing a book. I I really don't. My butt should be on a farm somewhere throwing hay bales or on an assembly line. I, I don't belong anywhere near a book. Um, but there's these stories that are kind of waiting to get out and I, I find myself in a position to tell their stories. And the best way to do that is sometimes in written form when people have alone time and they're able to sit down and, and, and enjoy the story, even if it's written in a, in a, in a manner that's a bit inferior. And this is not me being humble. This is me being honest. I'm not very humble, and that's honest. (laughs) But what we have is the opportunity to tell these stories. And so story after story keeps on coming, and I keep getting exposed to what amazing people are doing in some of the hardest areas of the world, and that has led to me writing stories and books. And if you enjoy them, I, I'm, I'm happy about that, especially the ones that are now coming through Whitaker because what Whitaker House does at the publishing house that prints most of our books is that they have amazing editors um, that basically go through and take the crap that I give to them and they um, take out all of the stuff that I do wrong and they leave the story of these amazing men and women of God that we are trying to retell in the, the pages. And then they repackage it in a way that's a lot more enjoyable to read. So if you are enjoying the book and you're thinking, dude, you're crazy. I've read the books and they, they seem really good to me. Um, it's not because of me. Trust me when I tell you that it's because of God using amazing men and women who are phenomenal editors at the Whitaker House publishing. And when I um, uh, look at 
the books and the stories that we've told, there's one book in particular that stands out in my mind, and it's Genocide in the Desert, which we just came out with this month of November 2016. The books are being delivered to the office as I'm doing this recording. And it is one of the most tragic stories that I have ever tried to compile in my life. It is the largest genocide of my lifetime. And we are seeing the situation still unfold inside of Iraq. Right now, there are only two safe houses in all of Iraq for young women who are trying to escape or being helped to be to escape from ISIS control. And we have children that are running to the areas out of out of ISIS controlled areas and into the area that we are serving in. And I just got an email a couple weeks ago from the main director of the work that we are doing inside of Iraq, uh, Dr. Paul. And he wrote and he said, brother, the children here desperately need pencils, paper, notebooks, scrunchies, berets, hairbrushes, hair combs, toothbrushes, toothpaste, and other hygiene items. Would there be any way to provide those items? So for Christmas of this year, I am asking you to partner together with us to take Christmas gifts to these children. We have about uh, 3,000 children that are living in the village where we are serving. Uh, several hundred of them attend the school that we built and are continuing to build in Iraq and we need your help to provide those items. I'm thinking that we will try to raise about 20,000 US dollars to provide those items. Could you pray and see if God is laying on your heart to partner together with us? As I'm doing this recording, we have uh, refugees that are fleeing out of the violence in Mosul and into our village. The Iraqi army, together with the Kurdish forces, are moving into Mosul on a highway called Highway Number Two, which is leading into Mosul from the east. I've been on that highway many times, and there is one village that they have just taken over called Bartella, and Bartella is a Christian village on Highway Two between Arbil and Mosul. On your way into Mosul, it's only uh, a, a few kilometers outside east of Mosul. And uh, this is what the priest says when he returns to his church. He's being interviewed on Channel 4 News, and he walks into his sanctuary, into the sanctuary that, where he used to be one of the clergy members. The cross outside has been burnt, shot with a gun. He walks inside. It's absolutely destroyed inside. All of the main pictures or, or, or any... Um, uh, anything that was used inside of the church to signify Christianity or Christ was was destroyed and 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 um, uh, removed. And this is what he says. So he's moving through the church. They have no uh, doctrine, no God. They don't know God. They will do every every bad thing. What can we do? Do you think you will come back? To this church? Of course. Really? Of course I will come. What, rebuild it? We will, we will make it well. Yeah. 
He will change everything. So he, they are they are going through the church. They're pulling out their 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 holy books. And they have a lot. I mean, these books are not small. These are massive books. I mean, they pick up these books. The 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 binding, the 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 book size is like the size of a small coffee table. I mean, these are massive books with massive writing, and they go back two thousand years. I mean, when when this brother John uh, uh, priest, when this priest John, when he prays, he prays in the Aramaic language, the original language of Jesus, because the Syriac Church was actually. Uh, planted by the original disciples. So these are the very first churches that come from the time when the book of Acts was being written. And um, these churches still fall in that tradition. And what they are finding is a lot of these churches were were absolutely destroyed um, because ISIS wanted to remove all forms of Christianity and a lot of the people are escaping now from that area and a lot of the people that are escaping are Christians or were Christians. What their, what their situation is now is hard to determine, but many of them are women that were made as slaves and many of those slaves were forced to make systems of tunnels we did in um an interview with a brother who was in Sinjar Mountain region uh, a few months ago and he was telling us about the details of these these caves these tunnels um that were dug out by the the women slaves who were were given um steroids so that they could please the men um at night and dig during the day or vice versa uh here is another christian uh, area that's been liberated near Mosul. I am from Nineveh and I am a Muslim. We are here to liberate our land. This church was a prison for Ezidi girls abducted from Sinjar into slavery. Now they took them to Mosul. But we will free these girls and we will follow them to the moon if you have to. These girls are our honor. So there, this is a, this is a, a a soldier, an Iraqi soldier who was standing inside of a church. They were showing that the church. And this hurts to even say the church in, in this area just outside of Mosul, because it was it was big, like a, almost like an auditorium or whatever. It was used for the slave market. It was where girls were being held while they were being sold, while they were being traded, while while they were being uh, brought back and, and retraded and resold. So it acted as a marketplace for ISIS as they sold these women. So a lot of these women, when they leave from this area, they have the pain that they are carrying with them. That also includes for the Yazidi girls who are not Muslim or Christian. Now they have the symbolism of Christianity as being the place in which they were being held, where they were sold like livestock on a market. And I believe it is incumbent upon us as Christians to serve these young ladies, to provide a safe house for them. And wouldn't it be amazing if we could provide a special gift for them? We are going to purchase the items that these young ladies need to study language. Uh, we are also providing job training for them. And the items that they need for that training, the books, the stationery, as well as the hygiene products, will be purchased for them for Christmas. And we are going to take a leap of faith and believe that 
we can raise 20,000 US for these girls for Christmas, for these children in Iraq for Christmas. So we'll be buying um, these gifts for the children as well as for the women who are at our safe house for Christmas. You can join us by just going online and making a donation for this effort. Or may I suggest something else? And this is if you're moved. If you're not, just, just share it with others and pray. If you're supporting another ministry for Christmas, if you, are, if you are a part of an effort that you believe in for the spreading the Christmas message, then we do not, do not, I repeat, want to remove you or or try to compete in any way you you keep on trucking down that road my brother um that's what god has laid on your heart and we do not want to uh compete or take you away from that we we're all in this together we just some of us have different routes than others of of what god has asked us to do with our resources not Every plane could be in the Asian Pacific uh, theater uh, during World War II. Uh, not every tank could be in the European theater during World War II. Uh, there, we had to listen to the commander to see where he would put his resources. So you listen to where God is asking you to put the resources. But if God has moved upon your heart to be a part of this effort and join together with us to provide a special Christmas gift for those in northern Iraq, then can I make a suggestion? Can you go online and look for the Christmas in China Christmas book with Brother Yun? We have a Christmas in China book that we are making available for sale online right now. It's a bundle deal that you can go on and purchase the Christmas book together with the prayer bearer, together with the CD. There is a CD that is a part of the book. The CD is a uh, recording of praise and worship songs that are so, uh, sung by the Chinese. Um, we, we brought in Chinese from all over China to do the recordings. And we add it for free with the Christmas book. Now, this Christmas book is not a book that you just sit down and read. It is an engagement book that you can sit on a coffee table. You can sit uh, on your on, on in a waiting room when people come in to, and they, they're spending a while waiting on a doctor or a dentist or the, the DMV in California, um, the the waiting room at the hospital in in London. Um, we th this book has um, pictures that uh, have been really well done, taken from the most remote and beautiful locations inside of China, some of the most beautiful landscape and and, and uh, minority people group photos that you will ever see in China everywhere or anywhere that you will find anywhere. Um, we are making this book available where people will just be attracted to pick it up and flip through it. It's not it's not a book that you read from from cover to cover. It is a book that you you engage for about five minutes or ten minutes of your time, and you read maybe one story or maybe even part of a story, or you just sit and enjoy uh, the 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 gripping photos. And I believe the music is going to be a special blessing. Play it 
uh, in your waiting room. Uh, you're not going to be offensive to anybody because most people don't speak Chinese. So it's this beautiful Chinese rule language that you will not hear anywhere else. Some of it has even been done by minority groups that speak really rare languages that are about to die out. And they're singing praise to God. We actually, we did the recording on the ground inside of China. You can play this in the background. And if people are like, ooh, what is that? Then it gives you a chance to share about the situation in Iraq and what the Chinese are doing and how by purchasing this book, by by getting the free CD, you are um, contributing because 100% of all the proceeds that come from this sale will go to Iraq for Christmas. Also included in that will be a free prayer bear, which is this cute little panda that when you look at it, it will remind you of China and remind your child or grandchild or child of a friend about China and to pray for the Chinese who are serving in the most closed countries of the world. You will know that when you give out this gift to a friend or foe, <laughs> um, that your your purchase, your Christmas, it's, it's different than just buying a Monopoly game. It's different than just buying a, a random gift card. By buying this gift, you are double gifting. You are giving a gift to your friend, but you are also giving proceeds that will be sent to purchase gifts for children as well as women that are staying at the safe house, a gift for Christmas. Thank you so much for those of you that have been praying for us, those of you that have been partnering together with us. And thank you for downloading this Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, I'm Eugene Bach. Coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China. God bless you. Hey, my name is Eugene Bach and it's that time of year again. Christmas, our favorite time of the year. But let me ask you a question. If your home didn't have a Christmas tree, your children didn't have stockings hanging by the fireplace, there were no songs about roasting chestnuts, no images of one-horse open sleighs, no special ham, no shopping mall Santa Clauses, and no holiday greeting from your neighbor. Would Christmas remain just as special, removing all those memories, all those things that we imprint in our mind as the meaning of Christmas if we take away all of the tinsel what meaning does Christmas have for you? Come and explore the meaning of Christmas from the eyes of a persecuted Christian. Follow the Chinese underground church in a special Christmas book that we have just put out. Read stories from Chinese believers who have spent their Christmas in prison. And read, for the very first time, Brother Yun's memory of being in prison for the very first time. Let the power of Jesus' birth come alive in your life this Christmas with this book. It's not a normal book, but it's one that you can share with your friends and your family just by putting it on your coffee table or on the main reception area when you walk in through the door. It is a conversation piece. You see, instead of just being a book with full of different stories, this is an amazing, marvelous picture book 
of the beautiful sceneries inside of China. And each page not only has these big, beautiful pictures, but they also have amazing stories, each one of them that can be read in less than a couple minutes. Do you work in an office or a reception area of a dental clinic or maybe a, a hospital? Then put this book right out there for the reading material for your guests and see their reaction. For the very first time, we are also including a CD that has songs that you have never heard before coming from Chinese Christians. We basically had an American idol, if you will, for Chinese underground house church Christians, where literally we flew them into one location from all over China, and we recorded them as they sing some of the most beautiful songs that they sing in China during Christmas time. This book can be yours for 40 US dollars. It's a donation or more. Every single penny will go to help children in Iraq for this Christmas. So it's a double whammy. It's a, it's a book that will uh, bless you. I'm sure of it. It will also bless those that are around you that are guests. And, and it's just a great conversational piece. And every dollar that you donate for this book goes to children in Iraq for this Christmas. Thank you and God bless.